Welcome to Outdoor States, a series of live conversations with the leaders, the advocates, the policymakers, and the innovators who are fueling a national movement in outdoor recreation, one state at a time. So the big idea here is to get some of these local leaders, these local thinkers, these local activists on the phone and have them tell their story. And today we are going to have a guest from Wyoming, Dominic Bravo, administrator of Wyoming's Outdoor Recreation Office, as well as their great state parks. And how long have you then been in Wyoming? Uh, I've been in Wyoming, I um, actually just celebrated my 10 year anniversary with the state this last June, so a little over 10 years. Well, congratulations. And so, uh, what, what, what were you doing before you started working for the state and what sort of brought you to the role there? Did you start right away in the parks department? Um, yes, it was actually kind of a, a crazy situation. I was, uh, always like to take risks, so I was, I uh, got my bachelor's at Colorado State in Fort Collins. Uh, my son was born and I decided I needed to get a, get a job as soon as I graduated college and he was born literally right when I graduated. So I applied to every Western state park system in the country. <laughs> Nevada was the first, yeah, Nevada yeah. was the first one that called first and I uh, took that job. I worked for Nevada State Parks, also got my master's degree while I was there, worked my way through that for about nine years. Uh, me and another ranger started a legislative or a, a park ranger association so i really started getting excited about policy and things like that and kind of on a whim saw the administrator job open up in wyoming i'm like hey, it's kind of crazy i'm gonna take the risk i'm gonna try it and, and i guess i was kind of blessed and was able to get that position and uh, moved out here when i was actually 30 so i was probably one of the long, uh, youngest state park rangers or state uh, park directors in the country at that time so. and and you know i mean obviously wyoming is a is a massive state. I mean, the, the statistic I always remember about Wyoming is that it was the the lowest uh, lowest citizens per square mile in the country. Something like one one person per four square miles. I mean, what what's the um, what is the scope of the state parks in Wyoming? How how many do you have? How many miles? All the all that good stuff. Yeah, we only have um, twelve state parks, but we're also in charge of the historic sites in Wyoming. So we have about forty, with only about. 15 of them being staffed uh, and then we're also in charge of the trails program so all of the snowmobile ORV and we try to do our best with non-motorized we don't have any really great funding mechanisms for non-motorized so I have one coordinator that does some stuff but uh, and for the most part uh, we're statewide when it comes to trails and obviously now that we have the outdoor rec office in our division we we've gone statewide and region-wide which has been amazing yeah absolutely well let's talk about that so the, the idea or, or even the reality of the outdoor recreation department being in your department, from what I saw, it started about in 2016 with the task force. Is that about correct? Yes, exactly. And the, and the governor, um, and the governor, it was Governor Matt Mead kind of took, took aim at it. Do you, do you recall what, what was the motivating factor there? I mean, was it, was it a, a group of companies or was it a group of citizens or was it just his personal passion or how, how did that get going? I think it was a couple of different things. Um, again, going back to my career, I've been very fortunate. Um, I was the vice president of the National Association of State Park Directors back when the Outdoor Industry Association first did their big economic um, um, kind of study. And from that, 
Uh, I was also president of another organization that we call Nasorlo, and it's the outdoor recreation liaison officer. So uh, the governor appoints a person that, that runs the land and water conservation fund in each state. So I was the president of that association at the time. So being kind of dual rolled in that, um, they asked me, both associations asked me to give an award to the Outdoor Industry Association in Utah the same year and at the actual same outdoor retailer event that they created Salt Lake or uh, Utah's uh, Outdoor Recreation Office. So since then, I think I've been kind of on the fringes and I think all state parks have kind of been watching, um, you know, what's going on with that. And then obviously Washington and Colorado came fairly quickly after uh, that one. Um, and then so what happened was is uh, some members from Knowles or so outdoor leadership school that's stationed in Lander were on a forestry task force. And one of their primary recommendations was to expand um, the scope of outdoor recreation in the state and really highlight and focus on that industry. Right at the same time, we were doing some trend data in state parks. They were really focusing and kind of pushing us outside of our boundaries, having us think a little more statewide and not just uh, insular into uh, what we were trying to accomplish. Uh, and from that, we uh, got together with Knowles just by happen chance, because um, actually our president of our commission at the time was a, a, an employee of Knowles. And from there, we basically approached the governor and the governor's office and said, you know, outdoor recreation offices are springing up all over, you know, around the surrounding states. We think this is an important subject and, and Wyoming is primed to do some important things around that topic. And he said, no, I love the idea and I would create an office, but I really would like to um, think about how we can get stakeholders and, 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 and those folks involved. So he tasked our division with setting up a, a task force. So we had a 26 member task force and we were time limited because obviously um, he wanted some things done fairly quickly before he left uh, office. So we had um, basically five three-day face-to-face meetings within six months of starting the task force. And within that time, my director and myself went around the state and had seven listening sessions so we could really engage the public and businesses and communities about what they wanted to see. Um, and from that, we had these 500 gigantic ideas that we were able to hone down to uh, 11 recommendations with 59 sub-recommendations. And that's basically been our Bible um, since we kicked it off. And then interesting, and I may be jumping to some of your uh, questions uh, ahead of you asking them, but that's okay. interesting enough is then we, uh, it was a timing issue. So one of the top priorities from the task force was uh, our eighth recommendation was to recharter um, our department to include outdoor recreation. So basically they didn't really like the idea of a standalone office. They didn't want to create a new position in our business council, which is basically the same as other states, uh, departments of commerce. Um, so what they really felt was if they, you know, they, we, they were really excited about the work we were doing. They thought if they rechartered our, our department, we could add some of this mission piece to it. Uh, but that obviously required legislation. So we approached our interim committee. The problem was, is it was in November of uh, 2017. And at that time, um, they were already done with all of their main meetings where they could create a bill. Um, so we took that back to the governor's office and the governor said, well, we just, we can't lose momentum. Um, so at that point in time, he basically said, you know, Dominic, you're the new director of the outdoor rec office and um, we're adding that to your duties. And I, you know, I want you to recharter and rethink of the, the mission that you need to accomplish. And that's what we did is we created two separate missions, one for state parks. And now we have one for the outdoor recreation office, but we're still technically all one division when it comes to supporting each other to be successful. So that That's great. What, so, you know, in terms of the, it sounded like there was a little bit of, of urgency, at least from the governor's office. And, and was it merely that he wanted to get it done before he was out of office or what was was it the the competitiveness with surrounding states or was it something else 
Um, I really think um, our governor has been amazing when it's come to thinking about economic diversity, um, his love and passion for the outdoors. And I think it was a little bit of a, a legacy piece for him is realizing that we kind of started this process a little later than we, you know, we wanted to collectively uh, to get something in place and also um, hopefully position it so it stands the test of you know, test of time, right. I think was critical. So uh, hopefully setting it up uh, for the future. And I think that's also why he really, you know, in all the office was thoughtful about where do we put it um, compared to maybe where other states have put it, where it may or may not go away, just based on where it sits right. um, within the executive branch. So. Right. I mean, and for people who might be listening to this, I mean, when you look at some of the various states and how they're doing it, it is sort of a a stroke of the pen type of office that could be removed by a stroke of the pen too in some places, I guess. Is that sort of what you mean? Exactly. I mean, it's, if it's something that is not, you know, within a policy or, or with a, you know, obviously it's not built into statute, but at the end of the day, if it's not uh, maybe protected in a position, um, it might be a little difficult to uh, see it go forward. Yeah, the administrations obviously. I mean, it was interesting. Um, uh, that's 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 fan- a great explanation. Let's go back a little bit to your sort of listening tour and the events that you did as you were heading into it. I mean, that's one of the more robust uh, listening tours that I've I've heard about heading into it. So you did, once again you did five three day sessions. Is that what you said? Plus a seven stop listening tour. Exactly. So we wanted to make sure we hit every. Um, at least major city in Wyoming and try to hit every region. Uh, we tried to have representation from every type of user group and even state agencies, uh, federal agencies, and everyone who might be hopefully um, able to implement or also be impacted by the report. And then also trying to hit as many public voices as we could. So yeah, we, and included in those seven, um, they were added on to some of the places we went. So for instance, we had a task force meeting in Lander, Wyoming. Um, while we were there, we then had an evening session for the public. So that one would have been in the same place as, as part of one of the seven listening sessions. But we tried to really make sure we engaged with uh, the public and then even had a lot of online areas where folks could uh, send in comments and questions and concerns and, and ideas. Um, and that all fed into the plan as well. I mean, in terms of, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, having been in outdoor recreation and parks for a while, I mean, I'm sure you had some some assumptions that were probably validated by that listening tour. Were there were there some surprises that kind of struck you as you were heading out around the state? Um, I don't know if there were surprises. I mean, I think a lot of the common themes like access, right. um, uh, concerns about uh, uh, just, the, I, I guess, even growth. So it wasn't really a surprise. I guess some of the smaller communities is the concern about growth, which I know we'll probably get into a little bit later in this uh, conversation. But I think those were ones that weren't really a surprise, but how uh, impassioned some folks were. And, and it was nice to be able to have that dialogue and almost put in place some, and lay some fears um, by saying, you know, I think we can do this strategically and making sure that we're going to be, you know, not parachuting in and saying, hey, we're from the government, we're here to help you. More like we're here to help facilitate uh, conversations about what best you folks want to see in your community around the outdoor recreation space and how best we can market it, you know, build it, maintain it, whatever, and, and help those communities, you know, kind of see this industry as something that can help sustain them and, and revitalize them through the future. So I think those are the things we saw. Um, you know, big picture wise, probably the the only um, kind of heartwarming ones were interesting ones where some of the user groups um, that you normally see kind of butt heads were 
um, actually really trying to come up with some ways that they could partner together and work together and, and, and build a, a better way of doing stuff in that outdoor recreation space. So that was kind of a, a nice feature of some of these dialogues. Yeah, I, I hear you when you're talking about the concerns about growth. It was interesting. I think we did a similar thing in Vermont where we would we were doing a lot of listening events and, and in some places which were generally, you know, less thriving economically, they were game for anything. But then in the more affluent communities, they were very concerned about growth and more people coming in and how to manage the infrastructure that that somebody would potentially build. It's certainly interesting. So when you were doing the listening tour, did you already have sort of a, you know, the various pillars of the stool laid out or, or how did you how would you conduct a public forum? Was it was it just, hey, this is what we're going to do. Give us your questions. Or was there some sort of structure to it? Um, there was a little bit of structure. We tried to really um, highlight what we were doing, kind of where the task force was at that time, some of the uh, the big topics that were being you know, talked about and basically getting the impressions of the public that were there. Um, I mean, sometimes even just having the public informed and being able to uh, talk a little bit about their concerns that may be even outside of what the task force was doing kind of helped build that idea of, of plan and, and getting the brand out there, which even right now, as I, as I said here now, we're not doing as great of a job as we can uh, for a state that's so small, uh, making sure we're informing our, our constituency of, of what we're doing and, and what we're working on. I think that's a, a issue that probably government always has issue with and probably something we, we will always be working on. Yeah, I would agree on that. I mean, it's you know, from outside the government, it seems like such an easy thing to ask the government to inform you about every single thing that they're doing. <laughs> but then that tends to be a lot of information. Um, and then so you guys did the listening tours, you did the public events, and then you created the recommendations. And was it the the task force that created the recommendations or your department or some hybrid of the two? Um, it was directly from the, the task force. So we had some uh, facilitation that, that came from the Ruckel's house over at uh, the University of Wyoming that were assisting us through the process. And it was really a, a collaborative approach. It's kind of the new way of dealing with uh, natural resource um, you know, topics. And it really, I mean, basically there were some topics that uh, uh, we kind of used a, a voting methodology. So every task force member had a vote of one through five. Um, if things got a, a five or six, um, there was the possibility that it wouldn't even show up on the task force recommendations. So there were some interesting ones and we had topics about everything, both from controversial to things that we thought were low hanging fruit. And that's at the end of the day, the, the voice of the task force was definitely in that report. And then we just as an agency refined it to make sure it was implementable uh, moving into the future. And you. And and you had about 500 ideas that you got down to 11. That's pretty amazing. We're still, we're still a little amazed we were able to do it. <laughs> I mean, that's, a, that's remarkable work. I should buy you a beer for that for sure. And then so in, in, in terms of that 11, is it by prior? I mean, is that a prioritized list? I mean, but number one is by far the most important. And number 11 is we'll get to it later. Or is it all sort of, you know, we'll get to it as quickly as we can. No, so so it, so it had some structure. We went, um, you know, one through eleven, um, but ultimately the uh, task force did categorize um, and prioritize the ones they found. And as I mentioned, eight was their first priority. Um, I'm trying to remember um, right off the top of my head where they went from there, but they they were all around um, where they went priority wise, and that's kind of how we've been implementing them is based on the task force's um, initial priorities. 
That's and um, and did it, so just for people who may not know about the confluence. You know, there was this national group of all the state offices of outdoor recreation that came together and and um, and found some common ground and really developed sort of four legs to a, a stool or to a chair or to a table or whatever you want it to be in business development, public health and wellness, conservation and education and workforce training. Did your 11, original 11, which came out well before the confluence, did it have some of each of those things in it? Oh, definitely. That's one of the one components that uh, we as the eight initial states had conversations about is we didn't want to reinvent the wheel and we also didn't want to be building something and, and backing something that didn't really kind of support our, our forward momentum. So a lot of what we saw with the uh, um, those four main categories, and I kind of stole um, some terminology we use here for our economic development uh, of Wyoming group, is we kind of saw it as the, the, the four pillars of the house of outdoor recreation. And uh, of those four pillars, everything, I would say the only one that was a little lacking, and it's one of the reasons I was on the subcommittee with you, obviously, was our, our health segment wasn't as much at the forefront as really our big two themes were economic development um, and uh, and then access was kind of our two big pieces which fed into that natural resource and, and conservation stewardship type piece. Um, so I think that's, you know, being able to have those four pillars just enhanced what we had already worked on. Yeah, and, I, and it's interesting. I mean, I think, it's funny, as I go around and talk with everyone about this, there's no doubt that economic development is a huge part of it for everybody. And then it's, what's really interesting then is sort of what's the number two question. And, um, you know, can, can you talk just a little bit about the access um, situation in Wyoming? Why is, that a, why is that a concern for somebody maybe who hasn't been to Wyoming or why is that an important issue? Well, and the, and the term access is, uh, has so many broad terms for us as we, we thought about it, everything from... Um, you know, businesses, actual physical businesses having access uh, to everything from the actual outdoors that, that their businesses rely on um, to even venture capital. So we, we thought about those pieces. We thought about access from the diversity, inclusion and equity standpoint. Um, so thinking about, um, you know, socioeconomic issues, um, transportation, I mean, all those um things that are in our industry about how, uh, you know, people of color and, and, and that type of stuff maybe have limited access or may have not had the same amount of access um, as others as we, we, we thought about that process. We thought about, um, and then just the, the, the same, you know, just simple access that many folks have here in the West um, where, you know, some of public land areas may be landlocked or um, the front portion is has some private land. So we actually had private landowners on our uh, task force to talk about what are the opportunities? How can this be a win-win for both the private landowner and the outdoor recreation uh, industry? Um, so yeah, well, we basically, when we talked about access, it had so many components to it, but we just kind of put it under this umbrella of how important access um, to this is for this industry um, is, is one of the critical themes that we talked about. Yeah, and that's, I'm glad you brought up the private land situation. I read um, a piece from earlier in this year about uh, one of your statewide projects, which was a website for outdoor recreation. Um, you know, and it was, you know, I've heard it in various states. I mean, the idea being that, you know, there are so many, uh, it's an asset map, I guess is the best way to put it. What are the various places that people could go? Could that be used as a, a planning tool for people visiting the state? Um, but in the article I read in Wyoming, there was 
um, the idea of a, a ranch B&B feature where people could find landowners with, with private property who would allow public recreation. And um, is that idea moving forward or is it still just kind of a spark of an idea? No, actually, um, and I may talk about this a little bit later, through our sub-cabinet on outdoor recreation, we had uh, um, started working and talking with our tourism department, and from there, um, they were working on their extranet, which is where businesses and service industry feed all of their information. We were talking about that's something we were going to need, um, and also our legislature gave us one-time funding of $150,000 that we're working on for the next two years to specifically work on SMAP, which is the, the platform you're talking about. And so no, we are actually in the RFI stage out there uh, gathering additional information since it's such a uh, um, kind of big audacious goal that we're trying to accomplish because there's a lot of moving parts that feed into this. Um, but that ranch B&B concept is in there. We wanna be able to give private landowners the ability to one, it kind of diversifies their um, um, revenue stream. The two, it kind of opens up the fabric of Wyoming when we think about, even though we're 50 uh, plus um, uh, percent public land um, with those parcels that are uh, kind of patchwork through the, the state, this might be a great way to uh, have great partnerships with private landowners um, and uh, provide access for outdoor recreation uh, folks. How have you guys, in terms of, you know, the connectivity between the recreation and the local community, have you guys talked about how do you sort of connect the dots from the person who's hunting or mountain biking or, or fishing, getting back to that local community and visiting a restaurant or visiting a store? I mean, is there... Uh, is there it possibly as part of that website or other initiatives where you're connecting the dots between the recreationalist and the community? Yeah, there's a, a whole bunch of different ones, including the website, but probably the biggest one is our um, Outdoor Recreation Collaborative. And that was one of the recommendation nine. It was the only recommendation. There were no subs under it. Um, and we actually started a pilot project up in the Bighorn Basin area, which in the future, I guess, as a side note, we'll probably not have quite as many communities in the collaborative as we do with this one. Um, but this one basically goes from Thermopolis um, all the way up to Lovell, Wyoming. Um, and we've been talking about numerous priorities. But it's bringing all of the leaders uh, from those communities, uh, business owners, uh, restaurants, uh, microbreweries, and then every outdoor recreation you can think of from a climbing club to a... Uh, uh, mountain bikers uh, to the local um, ski uh, place that's trying to reopen the ski resort up there. So we have this collaborative, uh, we're, we're basically being the facilitators and bringing some resources to um, this group to help them determine their priorities around outdoor recreation. And also going back to my uh, concept of, of smart growth that we talked about to kind of allay fears of uh, some of these rural areas is we can do this with a planning place is let's um, develop a plan that's very strategic. What are we going to look at your assets that you folks would like to focus on? How can we build them up? And how can we work and partner with businesses to look at workforce, uh, you know, expansion for them, like you said, keeping restaurants open longer or um, expanding or even opening new businesses in, in these smaller communities. So yeah, that's probably our biggest highlight of some one project we're specifically working on. that will hopefully set the stage for all the rest of the collaboratives in the state. Yeah, it's, so there's, I mean, so the, the hopeful long-term strategy is that other collaboratives would form around various communities and, and develop a set of goals that you can then execute on? 
Exactly. And what that's, we're using this one a little bit as an experiment um, so we can kind of set the best practices for the others. But yeah, the goal would, would be to have um, possibly just individual communities be these collaboratives because obviously um, our, our communities are sparsed between each other here in Wyoming. Um, but yeah, like we could have one, you know, a Cody or a Lander or a Evanston, um, but right now our Bighorn Basin is more of a regional one where we have, um, you know, Thermopolis and Lovell and Grable and Baston and all these other smaller communities in one big um, regional group. But yeah, the goal is to have it go statewide. That's fantastic. So as uh, I'm curious, did that, uh, was that a hard sell to get the Bighorn Basin area to buy in on this and, hey, be a part of this process or did they, did they jump at the opportunity? Actually, the wild thing is, is they invited um, us in before we even had the outdoor recreation office in place, which is one of the reasons we uh, selected them as our pilot project is they had uh, kind of heard uh, through the process. I think maybe some of them may have attended one of our uh, listening sessions, and I think the collaborative had actually come up. Um, and so we were doing this. They invited us to give a presentation on uh how we've done some non-motorized trails in state parks that have increased visitation above and beyond what we had when we just had like boating and things like for instance our Kirk Gowdy State Park uh, we built 36 miles of trail that now make us an epic destination for uh, and actually jumped our visitation by 40 percent um, and that's one of the they basically had asked us to come in and do a similar presentation and I think that's what lent itself to uh, being the first uh, place we selected. Yeah, it's interesting. It seems like it was they were already thinking about doing something, and then when they heard you were working on something, it was it was a, almost a shovel-ready project, so to speak, right? Exactly. Yeah, I mean that definitely seems to be a common thread in a lot of this OREC stuff. That you know, two two various groups will be kind of working toward it, and then and then meet in the middle somewhere. Uh, other than that, collaborative, and you know, going back to your 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 Bible or your main recommendations what's what's the big opportunity on that list with that might be the heart the biggest lift but that could have the biggest return as well actually the interesting part for us is i, I think we're a, a, a clean slate so i think that's the biggest opportunity and right now um what we kind of feel is we're moving throwing spaghetti at the walls even though we have a specific implementation we're working off of with these reported recommendations we've been going to a lot of different places. So we've been invited to speak at a lot of different trade shows, um, a lot of different conferences. Um, we obviously put our sub cabinet together, which is uh, like somewhat unique um, compared to probably some of the other um, outdoor recreation offices. I know uh, Luis in Colorado, um, after uh, he had heard we were doing it, he was gonna implement, and I think he, they already, already started doing some stuff. Um, but it were also uh, our advisory council is, is in the hopper. Um, but the biggest thing going back again to that clean slate uh, piece is, I think we're primed for smart growth. Again, going to that is Wyoming is a big space. Um, we have uh, amazing assets. Um, we're primed for business for probably one of the best business climates in the country. Um, and the crazy part is, is a lot of folks don't realize we exist, which is a pretty sad and something we've, we actually, I guess, again, we have the opportunity to get our name uh, out there is uh, at many of the places we go, we say, hey, here's what we have, here's what we have to offer, here's some of our communities that are primed for growth. And a lot of these uh, businesses and industries didn't realize uh, that was even a possibility or feasible. And so it's been exciting to have uh, those conversations. Uh, and then the greatest thing, again, is we can disperse 
um, and think about that strategically about how we do smart growth. It doesn't just have to be one place here in Wyoming, so we don't have to, you know, make these giant clusters that turn us into a big metropolitan area that every trailhead is now jam-packed with people. Um, we have enough space again to really kind of be thoughtful in, in how we approach bringing in new businesses and also supporting our really amazing uh, current businesses that we have and really do some things that I think no other state has been able to do, which is kind of exciting. Yeah, I mean, the, that idea of the S map or the asset map, um, that could be a great balancing act, you know, in terms of taking people from the, the two places that they always go and spreading them out to the thousand places around the state uh, certainly would, uh, would, would help that in the long run as well. Can, can you um, just talk a little bit about the sub-cabinet? Um, I wasn't familiar. So you're talking about a sub-cabinet within, uh, within the outdoor recreation office? Yeah, so um, as part of this process is, uh, although the legislature was very gracious and they gave us one-time operational funding um, for this biennium, and as I mentioned, they gave us the one project funding for SMAP, that's really all we have. Um, it's not ongoing at this time, so we'll have to uh, go back to the legislature if we can't find other funding mechanisms for the office. Um, but through that process, um, and again, it goes back to recommendation eight, is they really, the task force wanted us to think about how we could partner better with our other um, state partners. Um, so the idea, and I don't know if that's actually called out in the task force uh, recommendations, but ultimately we came up with this idea that we could have a sub cabinet of outdoor recreation. So it could be all of the agencies. Um, so obviously it's executive branch state agencies um, would all get together under this umbrella of outdoor recreation and one develop strategy um, that helps check mark off um, in addition to what we're working on with, with things that they're involved in with uh, the Outdoor Recreation Task Force report, um, but also just in general, how we think about ourselves as state agencies. So we've been meeting um, every uh, first Monday of the month, uh, every month for the last few months, and it really just started diving into um, even just learning more about each other. I mean, that's kind of been an interesting piece, but um, the ultimate goal is to basically just make sure we're being thoughtful um, in our approach as state agencies um, to move forward with them. And like I said, SMAP being a, a little bit more uh, synergistic came directly from the sub-cabinet. Tourism was like, we're working on our extranet. So I told well, we wanted to go out to RFP for our SMAP. Let's partner together and uh, make this a better product. Um, and that's a prime example of that. Um, the Business Council, we've been working on some of the trade shows that we've been partnering to make sure we're uh, not stepping on each other's toes and if anything, helping uh, you know, rising tide raise all boats. So we've been partnering closely with our business council to do some impressive things around recruitment of uh, outdoor recreation businesses. So it's been um, kind of a great process and probably something the government across the board should be doing more of. Yeah, it's honestly, it's a super smart idea. I mean, it, I mean in, my, in my view, that just shows how much of a priority it is in Wyoming that you're able to you know, get get those various agencies into a room, you know, and, and and to make sure that you're working towards the same goal. I think it sounds great. I mean, and which kind of leads to another question about just the the you know, there, there's there's sort of a common trope in the in the outdoor world that this is a not just a bipartisan issue. It's a nonpartisan issue. Are, are you seeing that this is a door opening topic uh, at state government? Well, it's definitely a door opening topic and I think it, it's uh, twofold. So part of uh, um, the portion of the sub cabinet, and I think it was critical was to also um, allay fears with other agencies. I think in some um, states, I think the fear and, and why you've even seen some uh, 
um, other governors or other agencies where they vetoed creation of these offices is mainly because they don't want redundancy. So they don't want redundant type uh, agencies doing the exact same thing. Uh, you don't want to have bureaucracy. So you don't want to add layers of things that folks have to go through to be successful. Um, so, and you also, I think from a director standpoint is they're going to protect what's there. So, and I can't fault them for that because we would do the same thing is uh, many times resources are taken from other agencies to then put in and kind of build another agency. So through this process, we're able to really show here are the places we work together. Here's how the outdoor recreation office fills the gaps where the other agencies aren't, you know, aren't meeting certain components of what the industry would like to see. And then big picture is we're making sure that everybody knows that these agencies don't have resources in the form of you know actual fiscal money or financial dollars to give to the outdoor rec office. So I think it, it allows those directors to have some comfort with, yeah, we're gonna help you in any which way we can, but not, uh, um, you know, not worry that we're gonna get our, our funding or, or staffing stripped from us just to make you successful. If anything, we're all now more successful under this umbrella of outdoor recreation. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. Um, in terms of what you're gonna do next, uh, do you have, um an annual check back with the task force or an annual gathering of the industry or, or of the sector uh, plan for Wyoming? Yeah, we had our first one where we tried to do, um, in, in retrospect, although it was amazing, um, we had two um, kind of attachment meetings to a big outdoor expo we had, uh, which bring youth from all over the state um, to learn things about outdoor recreation, which has kind of made sense to bring in those folks. So one day we had a kind of a public managers, a public land managers a mini conference, and we got together and talked about big picture things like, again, access, um, technology, um, emerging technologies, uh, resource planning and, and land management planning like NEPA and things. And then also uh, the big topic that I've been talking about, the special use permit process. Um, and then the next day we had a, a legislative a forum that brought in outdoor recreation businesses to be on a panel um, and, and even uh, talk a little bit to, and, and the folks in the audience were specifically congressional folks, um, congressional staffers, legislative folks. Um, and that specifically came from trying to make sure we were being thoughtful in Wyoming when it comes to how we talk about uh, public lands. Because obviously um, in the news, we sometimes get a little bit of a bad rap um, when ultimately our biggest thing is we just want our public lands managed to the best of their ability. Um, and sometimes being able to message that, um, we kind of were able to talk a little bit about that topic here. Um, but ultimately the goal for the uh, task force was hopefully that they would be able to apply for positions on the advisory council. Um, Again, going back to, we probably should engage with them a little better. You know, we send out some newsletters and some other things that we try to keep them updated on what we're working on. But the real hope is that we have something similar to what Colorado and Utah do, where it's almost like a outdoor rec summit, where we can have some really uh, great breakout sessions on things like um, funding and, and other things like that, that we just don't really have a place to or a venue uh, to talk about that. So that's gonna be our goal uh, as one of the things we try to work on. And if we can pull it off here this spring, That'll be probably one of the big projects we, we try to accomplish. And I, I believe both Colorado and Utah's gathering are, are self-funded as well, which is helpful. Um, so you're not actually having to create a new line item in your budget for that as well. Um, so, you know, in terms of um, just moving forward from here, I mean, this, is, uh, this has been a great conversation, but I'm wondering if there's some specific things you might want to 
promote or links or anything like that that we can uh, associate with uh, with this brief conversation? Yeah, so um, obviously if folks want to get more information, if they basically if they look at the Wyoming Outdoor Recreation Office, it pulls up our website, which is um, wioutdoorrec.org. Um, and that'll send you straight to a lot of information, new things that are coming up. We try to um, cross-promote all of the different outdoor recreation entities uh, in the state. Um, and hopefully that'll be the home of where SMAP starts, although that should be hopefully out everywhere we can get it. Uh, but we try to list up um, everything we can. And obviously on our social media, uh, we have the Outdoor Recreation for Wyoming, uh, you know, Facebook and Instagram and all of those that we try to at least keep folks informed of what's going on here. Hey, that's fantastic. Dominic, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Well, you rock. I appreciate you taking the time and appreciate the interview.